You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hey, I'm Joe Hogan, and Ghostbusters is the most important thing to have ever happened ever in the history of ever, and it's my perfect 10 film. was my perfect 10 cold open so there you all go. right there, there you go. go all right uh, yeah yeah i <laughs> this is the first episode right so i don't know what the format of the show is <laughs> cool i know some things i'd like to talk about mm-hmm. i i like some like some starting points of questions i and then and then we just kind of go from there we just kind of make it happen. That's neat. Uh, and yeah, it's like th- there were there were there were uh, a handful of people that I was like, who can handle who 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 can who can just roll with the punches? Who's who's clever enough but unprofessional enough <laughs> to, to roll in here and just like, I don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what I'm doing. Neither of us know what we're doing. But let's talk about something cool. And make it an entertaining podcast. And you were the second person on the list. So Aww, yeah. I'll take sloppy <laughs> seconds. I uh, yeah. No, I just because I think cause um because with the Boba Fett thing, I came to you first. So I didn't wanna like I didn't wanna over uh over over overplay that favor of like, hey, come to a podcast with me because nobody Oh else. yeah, dude, whatever. Whatever. No, I know, I know, but that's exactly it, Joe. That's exactly it. Is that I know that you're there. And that you'll do it, and so I don't want to take advantage of you. Ah, uh, you know, I appreciate that. But I, if I hear what you're saying, yeah, like it's it's like I just I don't I don't yeah I'm good. Look, I'm gonna be coming back to you for podcasts all the time. You know that. <laughs> all right. Cool. Um, but it's also just because this is this is the best way for you and I to get this one on one time, and uh, that's Aww. the whole that's the whole jam. I'm still right? sad like, about that's... celebration. Oh, it was just man. like it was it was just. Every every millisecond of my time was booked before I yeah. got there. I didn't realize until yeah. it happened. I'm like, oh my god, I was supposed to see so many people on the one day that I didn't have things. It was Disney, and it just. But that's uh, we're we're like we're so far afield from what we need to be talking about right now, Joe. <laughs> this is all we're all over the map, but uh, okay. uh, or not all over the map. We're completely off the map. So let's get on the map, please. And talk about talk about Ghostbusters. Uh, in case you didn't know, this is Perfect Ten, uh, uh, which is our new Thunderquack podcast, uh, where I, your host Michael Cohen, uh, will have a special guest uh, every episode, um, and uh, and and we're going to talk about something that they think is a Perfect Ten. Perfect Ten. For those who don't know, if you haven't been listening to the podcast, uh, if you're not familiar with me on Twitter or my personal nomenclature here, a Perfect Ten is. As you can probably assume, we can probably fill in the gaps here, but uh, a perfect 10 is something that is like a masterpiece. It's a, a movie, a TV show, uh, a comic book, video game, uh, a, a, a stick of gum. It can, it can honestly be anything that is like <laughs> that is like uh, not so much flawless, 
but just how could it possibly be any better? Right? Like, like with a reasonable expectation of human fallacy, (laughs) how could this possibly, we, this is an embarrassment of riches. This is something that like, we're just blessed that we have it to begin with. So let's show it a little bit of respect with that title of perfect 10. So, um, some examples, one of the ones that I always go to, because for those of us in our generation, I think that this one is indisputable, uh, almost as much as the one that we're going to talk about today. And that's Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that movie. Stem to stern, start to finish. It's perfect. <laughs> it's absolutely perfect. Are there some weird bits? Are there some acting choices that maybe uh, we wouldn't we wouldn't be uh, as as into today? Is one of the stars of that film a horrible, horrible, horrible human being? Uh, that that I I you know I, I that caught up with him eventually. We don't need to get into that. We'll probably talk about it when so- eventually I do a Ferris Bueller <laughs> episode with somebody. But all of that is irrelevant because the the I shouldn't say irrelevant, but it's we can put all of that to the side because at the end of the day, all of the elements that come together are just perfect right it's Light, just a mass lightning in a bottle right exactly exactly so i i so for this first episode i i i, I you know I, this one is so logical it's one of the examples that i used on <laughs> on the the patreon exclusive podcast when i when i debuted this um and that and that was ghostbusters i literally said like because i was running through the list of people who would eventually show up and i was like you know we'll probably like have joe and i'll, I'll bet you he'll talk about ghostbusters because uh, <laughs> it's like ghostbusters is absolutely without a doubt full of a lot of things that people could call problematic or uh, mm-hmm. i you know mm-hmm. like there are issues with the movie and it's definitely from 1984 and that says a lot about it both in terms of like visual fidelity and i uh, uh, let's let's say some of the ethos of some of the performers and characters in it and writers uh but at the end of the day at the end of the day put we, we can kind of shift some of that stuff to the side we look at that with a historical lens and say it is what it is right um at the end of the day ghostbusters right it is it is absolutely a perfect 10 so uh joe i'm gonna ask you uh my guest joe hogan uh who folks might know from his amazing art on the internet oh Um, stop it uh i will not i i i mean that's all i was gonna say so you know all right perfect you stopped good thank you i i Joe, I'm going to ask you to do something completely absurd to us. Mm-hmm. I want you to explain what Ghostbusters is. <laughs> okay, cool. So uh, Ghostbusters is, I mean, really the story of three almost everyman type characters really just going into business for themselves. And, you know, they're not hunks. They're not superheroes. They're they're you know crossing into middle age territory. I believe they're in their thirties. All the uh, the main actors when they first started, and uh, so they saw a an opportunity to create a new business uh, based on the fact that New York City at the time is experiencing some spiritual turbulence. We'll say. And, uh, you know, everything kind of aligns really well for them. They're able to build the technology and uh, and basically turn into 
glorified garbage men, right? Disposing <laughs> of these uh, rambunctious spirits that are haunting and, and uh, causing trouble throughout all of New York and Manhattan and at large. And it's very, it's obviously a comedy if that wasn't clear. Like there's, there's a horror element to it, but there, it's mostly a comedy. And really the comedy comes from the juxtaposition of those two things with, you know, and, and what's wonderful about it from start to finish, it's almost like uh, that analogy of boiling water with a frog in it, right? You mm. start out and, and everything is very grounded in reality. And then it, it, it slowly goes from, oh, a librarian ghost lady, that's scary, to at the end of the film, there's a giant, what, 300, 400 foot marshmallow man walking down the streets of Manhattan. And you're just saying, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like the, the the suspension of belief is, is very... Yeah. Well this done. is the logical end point of this story. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like, oh, yeah. how else could it have ended? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so it's the story of how four entrepreneurs, we'll say, uh, end up saving the city from yeah. a uh, Sumerian, not Babylonian, ancient uh, deity. And uh, all of the, 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 the spiritual turbulence that were kind of amplified by its uh advent to the city mm -hmm. awesome is that, is that about uh check all the marks on, on the yeah. synopsis okay yeah cool. I, I, th I think that's fantastic i think the right, wonderful next. thing about that explanation is that like we don't like at no time do we talk about who made it i i like which who <laughs> yeah. the actors are because like because because all of that stuff at a certain point becomes like just you know sprinkles and cherries on top yeah, it's those are just confectionaries really on top of a delicious dessert because like the the thing that i that, that i loved listening to you kind of struggle with is like categorize <laughs> it it's a comedy <laughs> yeah. but there's horror elements but and i'm sitting here going terrifying. like there's there's also a lot of science fiction mm -hmm. i i yeah and i yeah yeah i mean ghostbusters is just like that's that is you said earlier about about like sort of the definition of a perfect 10 is lightning in a bottle and I think that is the hardest thing about the Ghostbusters uh, to really express. Um, and, and a thing that I'm noticing with like sort of the younger generation who for whom Ghostbusters has just been ever present um, and Afterlife sort of brought it back to the fore. Um, and they don't, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say they don't fully appreciate it. And that makes me sound like an old man yelling, get off my lawn. <laughs> but I'm going to explain because I think that they don't appreciate it because ghostbusters and you and i are like we are we are the ghostbusters generation right like like yeah. it, like it yeah. it was it was pre-existing before us essentially i i but but i i or i'm like around the time that we were born right so um it's it has been ever present but like it hit us right square on the 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 bullseye for like the real Ghostbusters and the toys and and all of the merchandising and everything, I um, I don't remember a single moment of my life where Ghostbusters with, was it. not my favorite thing in the world. Yeah, bingo. Like bingo. really, like, it yeah. is it, it is my earliest fandom, even more than yeah. Ninja Turtles. Um, yeah, see, same, Nin same Nin for me. Ninja Turtles is that for Ninja me, Turtles. right? So yeah, they're like it's like Ninja Turtles. Ghostbusters, He-Man are all in the same conversation with this mm -hmm. stuff for people, I think. Um, I, but but I think that the thing that, that the younger generations 
don't um, that they, they they have a hard time appreciating it for in the same way that I think that our generation maybe had a harder time appreciating something like Superman, the movie or or mm-hmm. even stuff before that, something like Rocky or something. Mm-hmm. Right. That like sort of from that era, from from 10 years previous um, or even like 20 or 30 years previous. I hope even more so not appreciating that stuff is that <laughs> like so many of the things that we take for granted in genre storytelling today were never done before Ghostbusters. This movie redefined what a genre film could be in the same way that Star Wars did. Right. Cause when Star Wars came out, science fiction movies were like, hokey silly you know i i i like like cheesy low budget all that sort of thing and george lucas was like let's take this seriously and then i uh and then we get this slew of like like or 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 science fiction was like way too serious hard sci-fi 2001 right Mm -hmm. um it was sort of like both ends of the spectrum and then star wars is like what if we told a great story that just had a sci-fi backdrop and then ghostbusters uh, essentially almost a decade later comes along and is like, what if we told a good funny story, but it just has a sci-fi horror backdrop, right? Like it, it really redefined, like, listen, guardians of the galaxy wouldn't exist if ghostbusters didn't exist. Mm. Right. Like, like that tone would be impossible. I mean, like, you know, time is a river and it would course correct. And eventually something else would have come out that would have taken (laughs) Ghostbusters place in, in film history. We would have gotten there eventually. Right. But, but, but in our timeline where we stand right now, Ghostbusters is that thing. It is that foundational piece. So the whole idea of like, how do you sell a movie of this scale in as genuine a way as you do and that you do it by virtue of it being a comedy is like, cause, cause to get into some of the back, like behind the scenes and the, and the development of this, of the film, uh, Dan Aykroyd wrote the first draft, which was like a three hour movie (laughs) about, and it was in the future. And it was like, Oh, in the future ghosts are everywhere because of electromagnetic, because of all of our technology has created this, like this, this uh, electromagnetic interference. And it allows spirits to transition over into the physical. Like when you listen to Dan Aykroyd talk about it, he just like goes buck wild about the sci-fi part of it. And it was just like this bloated, ridiculous thing. And it's like, and Ghostbusters were not a new concept within the the conceit of the film. Right. They we're had already existed. Yeah. yeah. We're just following these Ghostbusters as this specific supernatural event occurs, right? Um, but that like they were like coast to coast. It was like a thing that that cropped up as this need arose, right? Um, and it was Ivan Reitman who came in and I uh, I and and or actually, I shouldn't say that. That Ivan Reitman comes in afterwards. It was Harold Ramis who came in right. and like took his his stack of paper that was all explaining this ridiculousness and this absurdity, um, but this very well thought out ridiculous absurdity, right? Because Dan Aykroyd is a certifiable genius. He's also <laughs> an authentic wacko, uh, <laughs> but, I, but he is both. You, we contain multitudes. Um, and Harold Ramis came in and was like how about we boil this down to a story about three guys sort of thing um, and brought it back into the present. And then, and then Ivan Reitman came on and they, and they worked that even more until eventually you get to this every man story, which is like, that's, 
how you sell it. And I think that Harold Ramis and Ivan Reitman working together is how you get there of them taking this completely out there concept from Dan Aykroyd that is out there, but so knows so well what its own rules are. And like, and, and this is, this is, this is what sci-fi nowadays misses. Sci-fi and fantasy misses this more often than not. It establishes the rules and it plays by the rules until the moment when we need to break the rules. Right. And that's Mm -hmm. what makes crossing the streams so perfect is because like, we because we work so hard to establish that this is the last thing that we, we never do this. It would be very bad. I uh, imagine every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light, something like that. Um, they uh, they actually added that the last minute. Crossing the streams yeah. was not in the script. They got to the set. They were like, we need to figure something out. How about crossing the streams? And then went back and filmed the other <laughs> scene of them. Like, hey, yeah, we have to establish like crossing the streams is a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, speaking, yeah, like speaking of that, like yeah. what it was going to be, like there are so many like near misses in this film because oh, sure. that's a huge one with Dan Aykroyd. There's the casting, which I'm sure John Belushi and... Eddie Murphy would have been awesome, would not yeah. have been the same film. Yeah, sure. Eddie Murphy would have drawn so much attention in that yeah. third act. Yeah. It would have ceased to be about the Ghostbusters and it would have become Eddie Murphy. Right. right. And, and he would have also been introduced a lot earlier in the movie because the original script had that character coming in way earlier. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until I, uh, un- until sort of like the Eddie Murphy stuff fell through that they started to rewrite it and they, and they brought Ernie Hudson in, uh, I mean, like Ernie Hudson, was he cast before they started shooting or they, they had already started, I think. Like, I, I or, think, yeah, I think they, I, I don't know if they already started shooting, but it was pretty late into production that Ernie yeah, Hudson yeah. Uh, joined the cast. Um, yeah, so there was that. Yeah, for sure. There's Ghost Smashers was the original name. Yep. Well, no, it was always Ghostbusters, but they wanted Ghost Smashers. But the, I, I can't remember what it was. It was like a, a mini series. Uh also called Ghostbusters, and they were no, trying to get the rights, a, no, and they it, didn't want to pay for the rights. It, or... it was the other way around. Ghost Smashers was the alternative. Ghostbusters, because right. there's the there was the filmation the show existed live action show with the two guys in the gorilla right. called Ghost Space Busters, right. right? Like 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 space as in a character, right? Like 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 a separator there. It's not all one word. And they were like, well, if we, if we make it, yeah, if we make it Ghostbusters one word, it's different. And they couldn't get the rights and, uh, but they kept going with it and they just like kept, they just kept going um, until eventually they sorted it out. And then well, you know, it so was, that's why there's the real Ghostbusters cartoon. And then Jason the Reitman actually yeah. is the one that kind of made that happen because he was on set. Jason Reitman is Ivan Reitman's son who, yeah. uh, touts himself to be the first and biggest Ghostbusters fan on the planet, which, you know, I can't blame him. Um, hey, I think he earned it last year. Yeah, I think he earned yeah, it. <laughs> I, I would argue he, solid, uh, he, solid. he gets, he gets got that, the credit. Uh, those yeah. bragging rights. Um, but he was on set in at Central Park West when they were had the big crowd scene. And he suggested to Ivan Ryman, why don't you have everyone yell, chanting Ghostbusters? And Ivan Reitman did that. And, you know, they yeah. shot all that stuff of. All the crowd reactions chanting Ghostbusters and someone got on the phone and either it was that or it was the the dailies. They showed whoever they had to show like, hey, here's all these people screaming Ghostbusters. And that was apparently the straw that broke the camel's back. They're like, OK, yeah. well, we'll we'll make it's it Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, the Ray yeah. Parker Jr. theme, too. Yep. Like 
all that all that evolution went through. I don't know if you ever heard the original theme song <laughs> for Ghostbusters. It is horrible. Yeah. I'm so glad that it went the way that it went. But yeah, man, all these things that could have been, but weren't, all the stars just kind of aligned and we got the film that we got instead. Yeah. Yeah. It all it 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 definitely all comes together um perfectly to be exactly what it needs to be i mean like down to a character like slimer who like is not meant to be a focal point of the ghostbusters lore right like (laughs) onion head ghost is what they called him yeah Yeah. because of the way that he smelled on set (laughs) i and not not because of not like that he didn't like the character didn't have a name it was just a ghost Mm -hmm. so they created a ghost but somehow in the midst of doing that it's like it's like sometimes nowadays you see a movie and you're like, oh, they really tried to make that the iconic thing, right? They really tried oh, to make yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, but Slimer is one of those instances of like, Slimer becomes iconic because Slimer is iconic. It is, it's organic. <laughs> it's, right. it's there because everybody involved was just like putting in the effort and at the top of their game. And like, does Slimer work if Venkman's, I feel so funky. Isn't so perfect. Does it work? If, (laughs) if the, he's an ugly little spud, he can hear you, Ray, (laughs) like all of that stuff. And the, and the vocal performance for Slimer of the, "Ah," and, and the, 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 the puppet, the, like the, the, the physical movement of it, the slime, the going through the one wall. um, (laughs) Even stuff that's kind of tertiary, like unrelated, like, I, I wait, 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 wait. I've always wanted to do this. And you know, the flowers are still standing, right? Like those are all (laughs) moments that lend to like, just how memorable and, um, and fun this thing that should be scary is. Um, and it, and it turns into this thing because of, I think, I think the performances, it turns into this thing that should be scary, right? It should be terrifying to children. Slimer should be scary to kids. He's just got big teeth and he attacks Vankman. Like he's a, he's menacing. He's a ghost. There's not really anything you can do about it, except guess what? These three guys use science and technology to overcome the, the, you know, the thing that, that, that goes bump in the night, right? Like that monster under your bed. Like they, they use their wits and intelligence to, fight back something unexplainable and unfightable Mm. right and that that all of a sudden combined with like the sort of like the wry i i sort of irreverent way that that it's all handled makes it into a joke it makes slimer into a joke this thing that's actually scary the terror dogs that are actually scary right um as a kid like you're not you're not scared of that stuff because well, yeah, sure. Supernatural, blah, blah, blah. Forces of good and evil beyond comprehension. You know, biblical cats and dogs, all that stuff. Uh, it doesn't matter because if you've got the tools and you've got the talent, which like the Ghostbusters made it seem like any one of us could, then there's nothing to be afraid of. And that like that attitude then like like just so perfectly captured in the song like I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Like it's just like, how do you can't, 
you literally can't do it on purpose. It has to be a thing that just comes together. It that's the only way that Ghostbusters becomes what it becomes and like and and is like a phenomenon and takes over. And it's so funny because like the narrative in the movie is like, oh, Ghostbusters craze is sweeping the nation, right? From coast to coast. Everybody cares about the Ghostbusters. And then like they put that in the movie as like a plot point in the movie. And then it happens in real life where like for a couple of years there, the Ghostbusters were the biggest thing, right? <laughs> it was like, like, it, like, and like the, even to the point of the joke in Ghostbusters too, of like, of like, uh, we wanted He-Man, right? Like <laughs> He-Man, <laughs> He-Man. Like they make fun of it that way of like, you guys are cartoon characters now, right? Um, because they got so big and then, you know, like that's just the way that it goes. So, uh, and like making fun of that in the movie of like, that never happens in the movie, even though for us contextually in the real world, it did. Right. Um, but yeah, I like, like just so many of those things, like the genius of having Casey Kasem and, uh, and, and, Larry uh, King, and yeah. Larry King, like it just like, like those little things. And I think those are things that come from like that SNL pedigree of like, those are skits that would have been on SNL. Mm-hmm. Right. But then when we get, we actually get Casey Kasem and Larry King. Now they're not skits. Now they're selling this, this thing. Right. And so like you say, it's the frog boiling in water. Eventually we get to the end and we've been through so many absurd things and we've laughed at all of it. That when Ray thinks about the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and that reveal is like, it's such a perfect alchemy of terror in the way that it shot it's like it's the perfect like spielbergian jaws close encounters uh raiders of the lost ark like what's gonna happen we're building this tension and then we get the full reveal (laughs) walking down the street of the stape of marshmallow man and it's just like you should get up and walk out of the theater. Right. (laughs) Um, But people didn't, they were just like, they were in, they were sold on it. And, and then that also lends into like ILM and, uh, and everybody working on the special effects um, across the board that, that accomplished it. Cause actually like it it wasn't just ILM, I think on, on the first Ghostbusters, it was, um, Oh man, I can't remember. Well, I think Stan Winston worked on it, right? Like with uh, the Terror Dogs. Is that a, mm-hmm. is that a Stan Winston thing? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, it was sort of like like I I so much of it was like just get somebody, just get anybody to do this. It's <laughs> it's it's so funny how much of it follows in the footsteps of of Star Wars. Like it's very similar to the to the way in which Star Wars was made. Which similarly, I mean like you guys would think that Star Wars would be the first perfect ten that we would do, but it, I think Star Wars is the last one I want to touch because it's just so we've talked about it, right? I have another podcast. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I I but yeah, I like it's just the 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 parallels in their productions and 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 the fact that like if one of these pieces, right? doesn't come into place it it doesn't work i mean like it's so it's it's so it's so weird because even like not just the ghostbusters theme song but all of the music the 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 ghostbusters the actual ghostbusters theme 
um, which, oh man, the name just fell out of my head. I was, I was right there. Um, who, who composed the actual music? Do you remember? Oh, Elmer Bernstein. Yeah. Elmer Bernstein like that, which like Elmer Bernstein bringing in like that sort of like more 1930s. Yeah. Screwball comedy kind of something with a theremin. Yeah. And the, and the, right. It's like, it's so funny because if that if that music was changed, if you go if you go a degree more suspenseful, it changes the whole tone of the movie. Yeah. If you go a degree more comedic, it changes the whole tone of the movie. And neither one of them work as well as what we got. It's right down the middle of where it needs to be. Like it is, it's a it's a strike right down the center, right? Um, and even even uh, uh, cleaning up the town, which is like such a weird. It's the that's the song nobody ever talks about. Yeah. But like that's the moment that kicks off. Hey guys, this is the adventure, mm-hmm. right? Everything up until that point is kind of it's actually really slow, right? Like it's all kind of like this slow burn, and then we got one, and then that piano comes in there, and then like we're going, and it's like the ramped up shot of the, of the Ecto one that is very obviously just sped up footage, <laughs> even in the eighties, that was obvious. Um, and it's like, I, who cares? Because the cartoon just started guys. Yeah. Like that's, yeah. they have a theme song, right? And it's like, you guys don't even know this isn't even their theme song. <laughs> it's cause it could be, it's good enough. Like that song's so good. Um, and, and I think that people overlook it. Cause it's like that, like, listen to it. That was written for the movie. That is an original song about the yeah. Ghostbusters. Yeah. It's not sourced. It's a it's a song for the movie, and people forget about that. That's it's very like that's, boogie woogie, right? Like is that yeah, the style yeah. technically boogie woogie? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of yeah. It's kind of like got that like almost like ragtime feel to it, mm-hmm. almost right. Yeah, kind of swing. I uh, but yeah, like that's how good the music is in Ghostbusters. That like that there's an amazing original song that everybody just forgets about. <laughs> it's so in any other movie you'd kill to have a song of that caliber to kick off your like your second act, right? Uh, and and especially in the eighties because that was the thing in the eighties was to have an original song. Um, but yeah, like yeah, it it's just it's it is one of those things. It's just all those pieces come together. Um, and if any one of them is out of place, we don't have Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. You end up with, honestly, I don't want this to be like the controversial talking point, but you end up with Ghostbusters 2016, right? That's the whole thing is that like they tried to catch lightning in a bottle a second time. And instead of like, like understanding and working with what made the first Ghostbusters so good, even Ghostbusters 2 misses the mark a little bit, right? I love that movie. I know you love that movie. Oh, yeah. But like, is Ghostbusters to a perfect 10? No, it's like a 9.5, guys. It's a 9.5, right? (laughs) It's definitely like, it's a little bit too postmodern for its own good of like self-referential, like, you know, like, like, and, and I love some of that stuff, but it definitely, it definitely makes the world of the movie work less. And it is just a rehash of the first film. So I, I, you know, it kind of just repeats itself too much, but, but 2016, almost in the effort to be its own thing misses the alchemy of what made the first Ghostbusters so great. It, it really, really, I think takes for granted the theme song. It really, really takes mm-hmm. for granted Dan Aykroyd's genius, 
right? And just kind of like plays fast and loose with those rules. And it's like, look, if you're not internally consistent with your own science fiction or fantasy rules, then how can you expect the audience to believe it, right? And that's yeah. and that's where you see like you can we it's a rare example of a perfect ten where we have the antithesis to compare it against and go why doesn't this work because those performances in that movie let's maybe leave Melissa McCarthy out of this conversation because I think that she camps it up a little bit too much with the physical comedy but everybody else is like yeah perfect on point right like 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 exactly what you want in a Ghostbusters movie but then those other elements are off. And so like, even though the effects are phenomenal, um, those, that stuff where they do the, where they break the letterbox, right? Like, cause that was the height of 3d movies. And like, you would get like the, 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 the streams going outside of the letterbox as if they were like in the theater was so genius and so great that I hate that it's wasted on a movie that I cannot watch. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. it, it, it kills me. Um, but, uh, but yeah, like not to get too much into that, but I just think that it's a yeah, great counterpoint to why I, the I, first one's so good. Exactly. I, I think the it's so funny because if you ask me to, you know, gush about Ghostbusters one, I mean, there's a million things I could gush about, but yeah. like finding a focus is the difficult part. But <laughs> the reason I feel that 2016 doesn't work in comparison to one like that's something I could touch on. I think the biggest problem that 2016 had that one executed flawlessly is that 2016 does not give anything a chance to breathe. It doesn't yeah. give the jokes a chance to breathe. It doesn't give the scary stuff a chance to breathe, which is, I think, the, the bigger misstep. There is there's not a single moment of silence in 2016 where 1984 Ghostbusters, how many moments there's no music. There's no joke. Yeah. There's no one liner. It's just like they're just letting the story kind of unfold and tell itself, letting the scary elements kind of, you know, set the tone and going from there. And I think that was the biggest misstep because it really just felt like one big improv movie in yeah. 2016. Well, um, th think think of the scene in the first Ghostbusters when Dana Barrett comes home. And, and she's like, she, she's coming home from, from work or wherever. I don't know. She's, I think she's in like aerobics clothes or something like that. Right. So she's like, come home from like her jazzercise or whatever. And, uh, I, it's the eighties and, uh, and she's just like the phone rings and she picks it up and it's her mom. She's talking about it. You got a date. Yeah. You know, he's one of the ghostbusters. Yeah. Those ghostbusters. And it's like, so slow it's so relaxed and chill and it's just this scene of this woman getting comfortable after her day um and and if you don't have all of that then when she sits down in that chair and it's like and and like the zool starts stuff starts happening like like the 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 and the hands pop out and like all that stuff like that that scares the crap out of you in that moment mm -hmm. because we've been lulled into a false sense of security. Yeah. Right. And all of that is to set up the next scene when Venkman shows up and she's possessed by Zool and she, and she comes to the door and it's like, are you the key master? And he's like, no. Right. And it's like, and from there, like that, that whole scene is comedic. Right. But that comedy doesn't work if we're not like all if we haven't already had 
that buildup of tension of the of the the terror because comedy a laugh is a release of tension right like that any any comedian will tell you that that's like that's what it is that's why it's setup punchline the setup the purpose of a setup is to just build tension right like what's what's coming what's coming what's coming and the better you can build that tension if your punchline is solid right if your punchline works the bigger the release of that tension is going to be so the bigger the Mm -hmm. laugh right and so when we get to the the um you know even later on when he's like when he's like you know i like her because you know she's a blah 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 whatever she sleeps above the covers six feet above the covers right it's like stuff like that that like those jokes are funny because we're making light of this terrifying situation where this woman just starts like like poltergeist style levitating off of her bed while she's growling and sigourney weaver is just giving everything to this ridiculous idea (laughs) that she is turning into a dog bear monster right like it's just i love it i love talking about ghostbusters and laying this stuff out and saying these things in these very real plain terms of like this doesn't work none of this works in another movie and it's almost like every time i talk about it like this i appreciate ghostbusters even more when I go back to it, because I just I'm watching and I'm like that stupid thing he does with the piano. Oh, they hate this. Right? <laughs> like it's and that's that's Bill Murray. And it's just like that. But those are the moments that you're talking about that 2016 just like because those are imp- that's an improv moment. Right. Like like we know that a lot of that scene was Venkman enters and he investigates and like, there's not a lot of the dialogue that's actually in that script. That thing where he like plays with the piano, that's Bill Murray improving on the set. And it's Sigourney Weaver acting off of him getting increasingly more and more annoying with each take. <laughs> and so like her performance is sold even more because she's supposed to be annoyed with him. But like, she's also like, she's supposed to be playing annoyed, but then she ends up also kind of like enamored and that's what makes that relationship work. Right. Cause she's laughing at Bill Murray, not at Peter Venkman, right? Sigourney Weaver is laughing at Bill Murray, but mm-hmm. Dana Barrett is mad at Peter Venkman. And we yeah. see both of those things in those scenes. And that doesn't happen without that room to breathe that room for that improv. Um, and that sort of thing. It's just like, yeah, I think, I think you're right. That is probably one of the biggest things in 2016 is that it goes for that bridesmaids, um, uh, uh, Judd Apatow, yeah. like that era of comedy of like joke, joke, bam, bam, It's just bam, one bam. exhausting ride the whole time. No, yeah. no and, second to digest or think about yeah. anything. It's just boom, on to the next thing. Boom, on to the next thing. Boom, and I next. laughed like crazy the first time I saw Ghostbusters 2016. I like answer the call. Right. And I, I answer left that. Yeah. <laughs> I left that theater. Like that movie was fun as hell. And it wasn't until like a little while later. And there was also, you know, there was all the political components of it. Yeah. Of the, like, you know, it's all female Ghostbusters. So I felt a pressure that I had to like it, which I don't I don't like that that was the case. Um, but it was the reality of it. So I walked out of it going like, that was great. I had a lot of fun. And it wasn't until later that I was like, I don't remember. I don't remember any of the jokes except the ones I didn't like. Um, like the the fire hose joke uh like when when they're testing the equipment yeah i hated um 
because it went on for too long and it was just too much of the like, okay, Melissa McCarthy fat fall down. I don't like that. Even if she wants to be like, like in on the joke with stuff like that, I feel like it's, I feel like it's in poor taste to other people. Like it's body shaming to other people, even if she's cool with it. Um, it, it bugs me. It just feels exploitative, but I, I, so I, I'll, and they do that all the time in that movie. I mean, that's how she makes money. So I, I, it's unfortunate, but I, I, I derailed myself. I don't know where I was going. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we ended up talking more. Oh, but, yeah, but, but to. like, I just, yeah, like I couldn't remember, I couldn't remember like the motivation of the bad guy. I still don't really, I guess he just wanted to be a ghost or something. I don't remember. Like he turns into a ghost at the end and it's, and, and he becomes the no ghost symbol instead of the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And it's like, and the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man was a balloon that they blew up. And it was like, I don't understand. I don't understand why any of this is happening. And that was kind of in the wiener. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, I don't remember the movie that well. And I've only ever seen it the one time, which like, I am such a Ghostbusters fan that's uh that's it all it hurts my heart it hurts my heart i've i've shown the girls all of the ghostbusters movies right mm-hmm. and we've watched a whole bunch of i mean real ghostbusters used to be on netflix nice. car and i used to watch it all the time not there anymore but it um, is on prime now it's not in canada unfortunately uh, man. yeah it's a bummer um but i uh eventually i'll just buy it on apple and then i'll have it but i i but we've never watched answer the call. We've never watched it because I just like, I can't bring myself to sit through it knowing what it, what, what it is and, and how it goes and that they catch a ghost with nowhere to put it. <laughs> There's no containment unit. Um, it just like, which like is just, it sounds like, you know, fanboy like, it's not like the original it's not that it's not like the original it's just that like it has no logical endpoint. they catch the ghost in the ghost trap and then it's like you see them in the movie struggle with the idea of like where are we going to put this and it's like yeah. if the characters in the movie are voicing it but that's but it's one of those things that like the the thing that i will always credit answer the call with is that it solidified for me so many things about what makes ghostbusters work it's mm. one of those things of like i said like you have to sort of see it broken in order to re- realize yeah. how it was put together in the first place yeah, um and it's where that's where i really really honed in on the idea of like dan Aykroyd's genius and like i didn't think about the containment unit as anything other than it's yeah it's just a logical piece of the story right and then like it blows up and that's a main part of the plot. So that's why it exists in the story. But then you start like, then you start unpacking it and the level of intelligence on the part of the three people who wrote that right between Dan Aykroyd, Ivan Reitman and Harold Ramis of the like setup of the containment unit, the light is green, the trap is clean. All of that stuff. Don't shut down the containment grid. It it would blow, it'll blow up. Like we just, we set it all up. And so then at the end of the movie, like we totally understand what has happened. We understand that like these guys have been catching every one of these ghosts, putting them in the same place. And now they're all out all at once. Right. What was, what was a difficult situation before is now completely untenable. Right. Because they were like, because right before that scene, it's like, 
you know, have, do you have any, uh, did you stop to think why we've been so busy lately? Right. Like they're talking <laughs> about, you know, we got to hire another ghostbuster and then they do. And then they're still exhausted running from place to place. And we see it in their performances of how tired they are. Um, which is all telling us if all these ghosts got out, there's nothing the Ghostbusters can do about it now, right? Like, like it, it's going to take a huge effort to to stop this. So, yeah, I don't know. Like, it just, it just, it's so well constructed. I've talked a lot about Ghostbusters, and you've <laughs> talked a fair amount about Ghostbusters. Okay. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get you to talk some more by all specifically right. asking you to talk about, um about your personal connection to ghostbusters so like your first memories of it sort of thing like 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 i i like what what spot does it hold in your life because i know personally from talking to you how important it is to you (laughs) and to who you are uh but like tell everybody else your personal connection to it I mean, I, I guess I touched on it before that it is as far as I can remember my earliest fandom and Ninja Turtles was like, was the close second. Like I always loved Ninja Turtles and I always remember being a fan of Ninja Turtles. But if, if I was going to watch a movie for the 4,000th time, it was going to be Ghostbusters too. Um, so I constantly and Ghostbusters one, my relationship with, okay. So are we talking about the franchise or the, the first film? Uh, we're talking about the franchise in this okay. in this context, right? Because obviously it's going to be hard to talk about right. your connection to it without real Ghostbusters and the toys right. and okay. everything. So, so, yeah. Well, yeah. So I think my first real exposure was real Ghostbusters because obviously it was a cartoon. It was, you know, yep. it was just one of those things that I watched and got into. And, and my parents were uh, never left me wanting for anything. And I had the Ecto-1 and the firehouse and the figures. And... Um, as far as I know, from the story that I am told, Ghostbusters 2 is the very first film that I had ever seen in theaters. I don't remember seeing it in theaters, but it was the first mm-hmm. film that uh, my parents had taken me to see because uh, I was such a big fan of the cartoon and, oh, there's a new movie coming out. Let's go take little baby Joe Hogan to go see it. So there's there's that. And then my earliest memory of seeing the first Ghostbusters film and and this I actually remember very vividly so I was already a big fan of two and obviously the, the cartoon and had all the toys and I had a proton pack and every time we watched Ghostbusters 2 I put on my flight suit I actually had a Ghostbusters 2 flight suit and my proton yeah. pack and every time they fired at the ghost I fired at the ghost so I was a, already a mega fan but I had never seen the first one so my parents and my grandparents you know we decided oh we're gonna make a big big uh production we're all gonna get together we're gonna make popcorn we're all gonna watch it together and everything's gonna be a whole big thing i sit between the arm of the couch and my my grandmother sitting next to me and i'm all excited the movie starts and the librarian ghost pops up five minutes into the (laughs) film and i flip out i don't this is too scary i don't want to watch this that's it so we gathered everyone around to not watch Ghostbusters. I don't remember what we put on, but I remember losing my mind and freaking uh, out, terrified of the first Ghostbusters. Yeah. So it took me years, really. I think it was probably like seven or eight when I finally said, I love Ghostbusters. I really want to see this movie. I'm going to watch it. And I was still afraid at seven or eight years old. So yeah. first or second grade, whatever it was, 
Uh, but I fell in love with it. Of course, most of the jokes went over my head, like the uh, the dream sequence of Ray. <laughs> uh, that went over my head. A lot of a lot of the innuendos and all that stuff. But I love that movie. I was terrified of it, but I loved, loved, loved it. And there's something, you know, for the longest time, Ghostbusters 2 was one of my favorite films of all time. But over time, you know, the older I got, I still watched one over and over and over. And the older I got, the more I appreciated it and the more I understood and the more, you know, I picked up on the nuances and the things that made it work so well. And, you know, now I'm an ultra fan. So if you can't tell by my accent, I am based in uh, New York City. So for me, Ghostbusters is a New York movie. So is Independence Day, even though Independence Day takes place everywhere else. That's that's one of my other perfect tens, Independence Day. But mm-hmm. uh, Ghostbusters is, of course, like it's it's based in Manhattan. And I've had uh, the amazing luck that I can hop on a train and a boat and then be in Manhattan in about, you know, 40 minutes and then I can hit all of these uh, landmarks that yeah. I grew up watching and, and it never really occurred to me like, oh, yeah, this is all filmed in my backyard, so to speak. And uh, so I don't I don't remember if we mentioned Carla Claire. Every time Carla Claire, our friend, her mutual friend visits from Boston, uh, we always make a point to hit all the uh, the filming locations in Manhattan. So we we've done all the locations from one and two, really everything, you know, Columbia University, uh, the Ladder 8 Firehouse, the New York Public Library, uh, the uh, quote unquote, the Manhattan Museum of Art, which is actually the uh, Museum of the American Indian uh, in lower Manhattan, um, you know, outside the Metropolitan Opera House, which is where, you know, the little fountain and the when when uh, uh, yeah. Bill Murray is wearing the orange jacket, does a little spin around. This, he does the um, spin. Which is like, I get, man, I love it. I, this is how I know that you and I are like, we're, 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 we're just soulmates in this way. <laughs> is that the way that you just describe that of like, you know, when you're just wearing the orange jacket and does a little spinning thing. And it's like that, cause that is like, so just stamped into every molecule of my brain. Yeah. I, and I don't know why yeah. I can't explain to you why that specific moment, but like, if I had to pick, if you asked me to pick one scene that absolutely defines the character of Peter Bankman for me, it's that <laughs> scene. And it's specifically that ending of that scene where he did the whole thing. is like, it was, Hey, it was nice to meet you. Like, <laughs> like all that as they're walking away, he's being such a jerk. And then he just looks over at this guy on roller skates spinning and he just starts spinning too. And it's just like, <laughs> this man is a sociopath like he's a or not a sociopath he's a psychopath right like yeah. like he's just completely anarchic and it's it's but and yet like he's the leader of the ghostbusters he's peter bankman right and like he's a hero at the end of this movie um yeah man that's so funny keep going keep talking oh man uh well not a lot has changed from childhood because now yeah. i have a an adult size, well, I'm not very tall, so a uh, maybe, let's say, youth-size <laughs> yeah. flight suit. I have a replica proton pack. Uh, you know, we hit, you know, we've hit the locations dressed as Ghostbusters, but we've also gone to, there's a, so I live in Staten Island. There's a, uh, it's called the Conference House. It's basically something that 
uh, was used as a post during the Revolutionary War that supposedly it's very, very haunted. So a bunch of my friends and I all dressed up, including my fiance and Carl. We all went there to like bust the ghost. You know, we didn't go inside. We don't want to be disrespectful of any actual spirits that might be haunting the place. <laughs> uh, but we, you know, had a fun little photo shoot there. And, and yeah. I mean, we are very uh, outspoken and celebratory of our fans. And also, I guess another really cool thing that I can say, um, you know, I am a professional artist. I freelance full time. And uh, one of my favorite gigs of all time is I, I got to do a, ske- a, a sketch card set for the cryptozoic ghostbusters trading card set. So that was really awesome that like, you know, we were allowed to basically do anything we wanted except the video game. I think was the only thing um, we couldn't do, which I have another memory specifically for the video game. So obviously I always wanted to be a ghostbuster. If I could choose anything from any fandom, I would be a ghostbuster before I would be a Jedi. I want to be a ghostbuster more than anything in the world. Um, So when the video game was announced for, I think it was 2009 came out on, you know, Xbox 360, PlayStation 3, and probably PC at the time. And, you know, they had the other versions, like the Wii version and, and <laughs> uh, I think PS2 also, but they were like slightly different. The art style was different. So I wanted the more realistic version at the time. Um, my at the time girlfriend was a very, very, very chatty Kathy, delightful woman. Wonder. She was very, very sweet. She was really cool. I have nothing negative to say about her, but she was very chatty. And every day we'd get on the phone and it would be about two hours of me listening to her day. And then every once in a while I got to speak up and say something. So so like recording a podcast with me. Very similar, although you ask more questions than she does. (laughs) So I, I had said, listen, this game is coming out. I'm taking off from work. I will check in with you, but I can't be on the phone for that long because I like really just want to enjoy this game. Like, I don't want to be on the phone playing this game. And like, I'm sure whatever happened at the Apple store today was very interesting at the job that she was working. But I really just need a day for myself. I really like it's (laughs) not that I want to ignore you. I just don't want to be on the phone. I'm so excited to play. Man, that was like a three week long argument that that started. (laughs) That was that was not what she wanted to hear. But I dealt with it because I wanted my day to play through. (laughs) I was like, you know, what, I'm going to deal with it. I don't care. Probably a jerk thing in retrospect. I I don't know if I could have worded it a little more. more See now, but that's that's why that's why that person, I, I, I despite all all of their better qualities and stuff like that that you saw in them that's why that person is your ex-girlfriend that's right and 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 why you get married to to the the type of women that we get married to right because because i don't think you'd have that problem now i think no. i I, no. I think that tina Not would absolutely understand i uh, be like oh, hey hey you got to do what you got to do right <laughs> tina would probably be like hey i won't bother you can i watch like yeah oh, I wanna, yeah I exactly like, let's, exactly and crystal i know like when there is something that it's like hey this is a thing and this is ha-, it's like yeah i mean i'll, I'll get flagged for it i'll get flagged for it because it's like <laughs> you still gotta do the things that you gotta do around the house but mm-hmm. um and when you have kids it's even harder but uh, uh but as much as possible she will support that sort of stuff mm-hmm. so yeah that's uh that's that's a, when you're a geek like we're geeks that's how you know that they're the one. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> when, and when, and they, that was also, when they don't just tolerate it, but support it. Right. Oh like, yeah. Go that extra step. hundred percent. 
And that was also for me at the time I was actually, I wasn't freelancing yet. So I was working full time in advertising. Mm -hmm. So when I took a day off, it was like, I had to actually tell them in advance, Hey, I'm, I'm using a vacation day. And I used a vacation day to play through that game. I think it came out on a Friday and I, I, so I took off the Friday so that I'd be ready. As soon as that game arrived, I would have the full weekend to play. Um, so that wasn't just like, oh, yeah, I'm just not going to work today. Like now I'm a freelancer. Like, yeah, I'm just not going to get anything done today. Whatever. To take my day off. But I'm yeah. trying to think if there's any other really big, notable thing. Oh, I have a story about um, my mom, which is kind of funny. Uh, I don't know if if I'm going too far on the on the anecdotes right now. Or no, no. Go for it. You need to reel it in. Um so the first time I actually worked Comic-Con as uh, an exhibiting artist was 2015. And <laughs> so I was stuck at the table all the time. And my mom was very sweet. My mom um, had both knees replaced and is still has like still has a, a kind of a hard time um, walking. And she uh, brought like a walker. And at the time, I don't think she had them replaced yet at that point. Um but so but like her knees were not good. So really, she had this walker that had a seat on it. So anytime she needed to chill out, she yeah. she had the seat. But she came by herself. She drove uh, from Staten Island to Manhattan to go to Comic-Con, you know, to support me. It was very, very sweet. So, you know, oh, how's it going? Like, oh, yeah, it's good. You know, not really doing much. So she would go and got me and my friend Mike food. We were splitting a table. It was very sweet. And then she's like, all right, I'm going to go look around. So she goes. And she meets Danny Glover. <laughs> and she goes, my son loves you in Ghostbusters. <laughs> and Danny Glover's like, what? <laughs> so she brings me an autographed photo of Danny Glover. Hey, I got Winston's autograph. I'm like, oh, my God, Mom. <laughs> oh, no. And it, was, it was very thoughtful, but my mom has not seen Ghostbusters very, very often. So that's. <laughs> that's adorable. The that's thought adorable. that counts. Um, yeah. I I have one more very, very quick one uh, of my grandparents, actually, again. So my grandparents were always very supportive of the fandoms that we love, Ninja Turtles, Ghostbusters, all that stuff. We were we were very spoiled. We appreciated what we got, but they spoiled us rotten. Um, (laughs) So there was one year that um, the thing that I wanted was the like role playing toy, the ghost neighbor. So I already had the ghost trap. I already had the proton pack. I had everything. That was there, but they did the ghost nabber, which was based off of the little contraption that Bill Murray's using in that scene with Dana at her apartment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- but this was the thing I want. I saw the commercial. Oh man, this is the thing I want. It was sold out everywhere, but Christmas was coming up. So I asked Santa for it. And, you know, my parents were having the worst time finding it. And finally, my mom says to me, you know, it's maybe like two weeks before Christmas. She goes, you know, Joe, I, you know, I, it's it's really hard to find, you know. I, we're we're having a difficult time finding it. We might not have it in time for Christmas, but you know, when we find it, we'll we'll make sure that we get it. And I said, "Don't worry, Mom. Santa Claus will get it." I asked Santa for it. He's yeah, he's gonna have my back. And my mom was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> yeah. So my mom tells my my father's parents and my my grandmother, uh, God bless her soul. Uh, forced my grandfather to drive to every toy store in Long Island to find this thing. And they found it. So they were in central Long Island. 
and they found it in the very, 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 very like easternmost point of Long Island, which mm-hmm. is very long. So they found it, they got it, and apparently it was the first thing I opened on Christmas morning and didn't care about anything else that I got. <laughs> that's your see, that's the mistake. That's the mistake uh, of of your parents of like letting you open that one first. That's mm-hmm. the one that you hide behind the tree and you finish. You got to finish everything. Yeah. And then you got to go, hey, hey, Joe, I think there's something else behind the tree for you. That's because <laughs> that is like that's the classic trick, right? That's how you yeah. do it. That's yeah. and, and and that is I'm so thankful I, I, to my parents that like they the theatricality of Christmas is so important in that <laughs> respect, even even till today. Uh, that, you know like, what though? That, if it, that, like, if they, it were they me, that stuff. Yeah. If it were me, Santa would not have gotten the credit. That yes. wouldn't have been a Santa found it trick. That would have been a uh, no. Mom and yeah. Dad, uh, Grandma and Grandpa found it. Yeah. Sa- Santa Claus. Uh, Santa Claus brings. I. I. I don't know. People. People should. I hope that people have taken small children out of the room. Uh, <laughs> why are you listening <laughs> to this podcast with your small, small children? <laughs> in the car but i i in this house santa claus gets you one thing he brings you one thing Mm. because in the year 2022 there's a lot of kids at school that might Uh, not get all of the things that they asked for for christmas they might only get one or two things and they might only get like one thing from santa claus right okay so in this house Santa brings you one thing and it, what, okay. what you ask Santa Claus for, if you were a good kid, he's going to bring it for you. Right. So we're very careful with them of like, mm-hmm. like, what did you ask Santa Claus for? Right. And that's the thing that came from Santa. Right. Okay. Uh, and then everything else is like, is, is, is us. We take nice. full credit. Um, and, and I, and like, I say that to all parents of like, take credit. Like you worked hard. Yeah. You provided that thing for your kid. do not feel guilty taking credit for that. Like you still leave that, that magic of Santa Claus there for them for as long as possible. But also like you don't want them going to school and being like Santa Claus brought me a new bike and a Nintendo and blah, 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 blah. blah. And then the other kids like, yeah, I got a comic book. (laughs) Right. And it's like, so you want to be sensitive of that. Right. And, and, and have your kids be sensitive of that. It's it's all it, these are is more teachable moments and stuff like that. But I, uh, but yeah. Speaking speaking of kids and Ghostbusters, my girls love the Ghostbusters. That's awesome. Kara uh, in particular, like Ghostbusters, <laughs> is one of her. It's one of her favorite things. Um. So yeah, like going and seeing Afterlife, being able to see a new Ghostbusters movie for the first time with her. Although, I'll be clear, I I did see it before on my own but that was so that like i could like watch it and make sure because she was she was only five at the time right like so it's like is 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 she gonna be okay she's handled the other ones i mean cara has seen all of the ghostbusters movies except for answer the call she's seen all of the uh um jurassic park movies except for fallen kingdom because i can't bring myself to watch Fallen Kingdom again. <laughs> we skipped it. We were going to watch it. And then it was like, oh, it's not on streaming services anymore. I'm not paying for it. Mm. Uh, so we just kind of skipped it. And, we're, and I was like, so they took the dinosaurs off the island and then they escaped and now they're everywhere. Got it. Cool. We're going to watch Dominion. Um, so she, she, she can handle this stuff. She's watched a lot of stuff that's like sort of above her pay grade. Um, but I, I, but yeah, I wanted to make sure, but seeing that with her for her, her first time. And, and, and the other great thing of going and seeing it myself was that I went, got to go see it 
enjoy it for myself. And then on the second one to really just sit and watch her watch it. Um, and man, she just like, I, I, to have a small human be the one that is like saving the day for her. <laughs> it's like, it did what Ghostbusters did for us, but even more so of yeah. like, Hey, here's this, this young girl. And she's the, she's the one to, to do it all. Um, I, yeah, I it, really, it is so amazing. I really envy that because I remember when I was a kid, I was like, oh, the Ghostbusters, they're big. They're, I want to be a big ghost. And now that like after I've, I was like, ah, oh, the kid, I want to be a kid Ghostbuster. Yeah. And, like, yeah. It, it was like this. We can't catch a break. We can't catch thing. a break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I relate to the Ghostbusters now more than ever, but oh, in a lot of ways. But <laughs> that's yeah. It's, it's funny. I had the same thought like, oh, man, the kids these days are eating well for as, yeah. if they're Ghostbusters fans. Yeah. So that's super yeah. cool. So what um does she like want to be phoebe now like is that is that the thing or is it just like it's i i, a I think i can be one too kind yeah of thing. i think the great thing about the ghostbusters and even like the original film to a kid even to a to a i mean like we watched ghostbusters for the first time when she was like three um and she puts on the proton pack and shoots at the ghosts when we're watching the movie and all of that yeah. stuff that we talked about exactly the same awesome. i have an awesome picture uh, on my instagram of her of us watching ghostbusters one day and she stood in the right place and i hit i took the picture at the exact right time <laughs> that it looks like the 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 proton beam is coming out of her oh awesome her backpack like out of her neutrona wand uh it's just so perfect um so yeah like 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 the the great thing about ghostbusters is that like you don't have to want to be one of the characters like, cause anybody can just be a ghostbuster. Yeah, anybody. Right. So like I can remember when I was a kid, I had a ghostbusters jumpsuit as well. I, I, that, that we got from, I, I, oh man, uh, JC Penny. Yeah. No, not JC Penny. What was the other one? Oh, uh, it's not, I don't think it's around anymore. Um, Macy's Sears. Uh... No, I can't remember. Oh, I can't remember now. I, I, but one of those types of stores, one of those department stores, mm-hmm. we went down to the States cause I am in Canada. So we went down to Bellingham we went to Bellis fair mall and we went to this department store and, um, I, I, we got, and it was like on the rack. This was, I was, I was five. So, and this was the summer. This was our uh, back to school shopping trip. And, I. And this thing's on the rack, and I was you came like, to the states to do a back to school shopping trip. Well, the Canadian dollar was stronger at the time, so wow, our money okay. went further, and things things were cheaper in the states. Okay, uh, so yeah, that's that's what we do. It's a uh, Bellingham's like forty five minutes away, so mm. it's like it's not it's okay. not a big deal because we're right at the border, right in Vancouver. Uh, and I was I lived in Richmond, which is even closer to the border. Uh, it's like it's like fifteen minutes to the border. Um, not the way my dad drove though. He drove so slow. <laughs> I, I, but the way my mom drove was like 10, uh, that's probably being really generous, but, um, but in any case, like you get across the border and get to Bellingham in about 45 minutes. So, um, so we went down there to, to do the shopping and, and they've got the, this ghostbusters outfit on the rack. Um, and I was like, I was just, it was just me and my mom. My dad had taken my other brothers off to do something else. It was just me and my mom. And I was like, I got to get this. I have to get this. And my mom, <laughs> like to her credit, like no hesitation. Okay. Like yeah. just, yep, of course. 
right? Knowing how important it was to me. Um, and then the conversation came of like, of, of first day of school first, uh, I'm sorry, not first day of school, like picture day. Right. <laughs> which was like, which is like in like the second or third week of school of like, Oh, it's picture day. And I was like, I'm wearing my Ghostbusters uniform. Nice. Oh boy. Um, and the thing about this uniform that I had is that you could look it up. You could probably find it. Um, I, uh, Bon Marche. That's where it was. Yes. I got there. I, uh, at the Bon, at the Bon Marche. I, I, yeah, that's that. Do you guys have that on the East coast or is that a West coast? No, thing? I, I had never even heard of that. Honestly. All right. It might've been a West coast thing. Um, but that's where it was. That's where we got it. And you guys, I, you can, I've looked it up on online before the, the, this specific suit. Like it was like a, it was like a thing. I, uh, and it didn't have a name badge on it where the name badge would have been was actually like a, a graphic of Slimer with like an explosion sort of, you know, like a starburst explosion type thing. Okay. Him. Like he's getting zapped mm-hmm. and it always bugged me. It always bugged me. And I was always like, I need to get my name on this and it and i can remember having a conversation uh uh with my with my aunt not not a real aunt but like like a friend of the family close friend my auntie terry about it asking her to like that i need a name badge for this and it was like like we didn't end up getting one because it was like the graphic was like a vinyl graphic on it right so you couldn't Mm -hmm. really take it off um but having this conversation with her of like i need to have my name on my ghostbusters uniform it's important like that's the ghostbusters have their names on their uniforms this isn't accurate, right? It's um, <laughs> not screen accurate. Yeah. And she was like, so you need a, like a name badge that I can get you a name badge that says Michael. And I was like, no, <laughs> it has to say Cohen. It has to be my last name because I'm like five years old. But I was like so insistent about it. Like I was just like, like, no, that's not how it works. You guys We're gonna do this. We got to do it right. Yeah. Um, so even back then I was a, a bit of a jerk in that way, but uh, <laughs> I, 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 we never got it and whatever, but now I have the, um, the spirit Halloween, the jacket, the bomber jacket, mm. and it's got Velcro patches to take them on and off. Um, and, and, uh, I need to get a proper custom badge with yeah, my man, last name it. on it for that one. Um, when, when we eventually make our way out to you guys in, in New York, when eventually we do that family trip. Cause like we have to, cause Kara will want to see all of those landmarks. Awesome. And stuff, right? I, I mean, Cassie's into it as well. Cassie definitely likes Ghostbusters as well, but Cassie's just not, it's so funny. Cause Kara is me. Like she's just this little carbon copy of me. And then Cassie <laughs> is so much like crystal where it's like, Cassie likes this stuff. Crystal likes this stuff. Crystal definitely likes the Ghostbusters, right? Like she wants to go see the movie. She wants to go see the latest MCU movie. She wants to see the Star Wars thing, right? Like it definitely matters to her, but like also like I'll see it when I see it, right? Like it, like yeah. they have more of that attitude. Cassie's so much more like Car, like Crystal in that way. Whereas Kara is like, is like me of like, when are we going to do that? <laughs> like, are we doing that today? Can we go do it now? Can we go to the toy store and complete this collection? Um, yeah, she's so much like me. It's funny. Uh, so I know that like it's going to be this thing of like we're going to come out there and we're going to hang out with you and I'll have my jacket on and uh, uh, you know in a proton pack and whatever and Cara will have her <laughs> get up that we'll have gotten for that trip and you'll be decked out 
Uh, and then and then Crystal and Cassie will just be dressed normally, like going like, <laughs> yeah, okay, guys, okay, that's the building. We saw it. Can we move on? And it's like, no, we have to get more pictures. We have to pretend more things. Uh, yeah, no, that is definitely like I, we've talked about that before. Like we are definitely <laughs> going to do that at some point, probably in the next few years. Uh, All right, awesome. while, they're, while they're still little and it's still magic to be like, there it is. That's the Ghostbusters firehouse. I don't know, man. I still I've seen it so many times. It's still magic for me. Every time Carl comes and, yeah. and we go, it does not get old. It really but when does you, not get old. But but when you're but when you're a parent dragging a teenager along on a trip, oh, okay, it doesn't sure. matter how cool the thing is. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna be grumpy about it, right? Unimpressed. Um, sure. Yeah, it's like, hey, we're gonna go on that tour of all the Ghostbusters stuff that you've always wanted to see. Yeah, but I have a boyfriend now, and it means that I'm gonna be taken away from him <laughs> for for two weeks to go to Wait, New I, York. I can't be know, on my like, phone the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fu- I mean like by that time we're talking about 10 years from now, phones, uh, <laughs> what are those going to be? They're going to have chips in their heads. I, I, anyways, I, I and ghosts will be real because of all of the electromagnetic interference. Yeah, we're going we're <laughs> to put chips yeah. in our heads and then be able to see all the ghosts. And then somebody's going to have to exterminate the ghosts. And then Joe, we're going to go into business for ourselves. All right. I'm in. <laughs> You know, you, you I'm, it. yeah, I'm there. I'm there. I'm going to take back some of the things I said about you, Mike. <sighs> Thanks. Uh, awesome. I think we did it, man. I think that's a perfect 10. I don't know. Cause this is the first one. So it's like, where's the ending? I don't know, but no, we did it. We, we did the, we did kind of the three things that I wanted to do, which is the, what is this thing? A little bit about the behind the scenes from somebody who cares about it. Uh, or a couple of people, I should say, and then uh, and then our personal our personal connection to it, why we love it so much. I uh, I mean, like the only thing that's missing here is is uh, is listener feedback. But this is our first episode, so I didn't really mm. expect to have much. Um, I do know that uh, that there are some folks out there uh, who definitely uh, care. So uh, if you're listening to this and uh, and uh, and and you want to. Uh, let us know about your stories about Ghostbusters. I'll include them on the next episode, even though that episode is going to be about Transformers, the movie, the soundtrack uh, with uh, with Tyler James Nickel. But uh, yeah, the Michael I, Bay but, one, obviously, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, uh, but I, I, I'll make sure that before we get into the Transformers stuff, that we talk about a little bit of the Ghostbusters stuff from you guys, the listeners. So hit us up. I the 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 best ways are on Twitter. I I oh my god! I should I should know the Twitter handle for Thunderquack off the top <laughs> of my head, but I don't because I'm awful. I I it's because we've like we've changed it in the past. Um, oh, I okay. wish it was just at Thunderquack, but that's somebody else. Somebody else already got that one. Um, I'm vamping while I load TweetDeck and uh, and bring it up. Um, it's uh it's Thunderquack Pod. I think as it used to be Thunderquack Net. And and then we changed it to the podcast. So it's th- at Thunderquack Pod on Twitter. Uh, it's Thunderquack Podcast on Instagram, and uh, uh, and you can search us Thunderquack Podcast on Facebook. We also have a Discord, uh, which is going to probably be the best way to do it. Is come join the Discord and uh, I, and and uh, and message us there. We've got a channel specifically for Perfect Ten where you guys can drop that stuff in there and uh and i'll and i'll 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 read a couple of responses uh on the podcast next time um and uh, and also 
send me your your stuff about transformers the movie the soundtrack we're talking about the touch all right we're talking about dare to be stupid that's what we're talking about on the next one uh with tyler who had like no hesitation absolutely none when i told him the premise of the show and what i like like and asked him like what would yours be he was like transformers the, the movie the soundtrack no like like didn't even have to think about it and i was like that's beautiful because that's exactly what i want which is like what is the, what is the thing because everybody's got one right so i i that's but that's it that's it for this episode joe where can people find you if they wanted to find you and you wanted them to find you because oh, you know well, that's kind of that's kind of the thing on the internet now it's, it's like where do but where do I want to be found? You know. So what? What uh, you're saying is the door swings both ways. Is exactly. What you're getting at. Exactly. Uh, so Joe Hogan Art is my handle on just about everything. I'm pretty sure Twitter, Instagram is where I'm posting my more recent work. I'm on DeviantArt. I don't post on there too too frequently anymore. I have a YouTube channel that is a little inactive, but I plan on doing more stuff. And uh, I think that's the main four. And I'm on Facebook too. So. awesome yeah yeah. cool well i highly recommend everybody go follow joe he's been posting some really awesome fan art lately that Mega Man one is like i don't know how you get that so crispy dude Uh, like yeah it it, it's uh is very very it it looks like the 3d model from smash brothers right like well that was what i referenced yeah (laughs) absolutely referenced that model no for sure but like it, but like, it just looks like, like, it looks like a filter on it, basically. It's so, so precise. Were it so uh, easy to do it that quick? No, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, no, it's super, super good. And, and yeah, I love all you, every time you do anything Zelda, it's always so good. Aww. And of course the Star Wars stuff, we don't even need to mention because that's your bread and butter. But, uh, but that other stuff, I love it. I love it when you do stuff that's not Star Wars, honestly, because it's like, that's when I get to see. That's when I get to see you really flex. Stretch stretch uh, my legs a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Bingo. Well, thank you very uh, much for those kind words. Sarah. No problem. Uh, cool. Awesome. Well, I there will be a whole rigmarole at the end of this for you guys, so I'm not going to say all my stuff. But, I, I, but yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at ArcWolf and on Instagram at ArcangelWolf. Uh, that's Archangel with a K and Wolf with a U. Uh, uh, cool. I that's it for this episode. I don't. I don't have. I don't even have a sign off for this one. I didn't even think about it. Um, I don't know, Joe. What do you got? You got. You got a sign off for for this conversation about Ghostbusters. One last thing you want to say? I mean, there's really just what really one exchange. If you want, we can. I can say the one thing, and you can say the response if you like. I think you'll okay. know the response once you hear it. Absolutely, go for it. All right. See you on the other side, Mike. Uh, It's been a pleasure working with you, Dr. Hogan. Thunderquack Perfect 10 is hosted by me, Michael Cohen. Follow us on Twitter at ThunderquackPod, on Instagram at ThunderquackPodcast, on Facebook at Thunderquack, and join us on Discord at Thunderquack.com slash Discord. Support the podcast by heading to Patreon.com slash Thunderquack to get early access, bonus episodes, and the Thunderquack Perfect 10 Pop Quiz. Thunderquack Perfect 10 is part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.
that'll do it. <laughs> was that it? That was it, right? It, it, nice working with you, Dr. Mike. Oh, yeah. nice work. Yeah, okay. Eh, close enough. Close enough.